Welcome and happy Friday. It's November 20th, 2015. This is Travelog. It's the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I'm here with a special guest, Mark Elwood, who's a contributing editor of ours. We've got Paul Brady, who's our senior editor, Laura Redman, who's our digital deputy editor, and a new uh, podcast member, Jaina Maleri, who's our senior style editor. My name is Brad Rickman, and I'm the digital director. And I think, uh, as we usually do, we're going to uh, start with the cocktail of the week. This one is called a Cobra Snake Necktie. And it comes for us from uh, comes to us from Chad Solomon of the Midnight Rambler Bar, which he describes as a rock and soul saloon, and that's in the Jewel Hotel in Dallas, which is a very nice place. Um, it's got a little bit of bourbon, it's got apple brandy, it's got sparkling wine, uh, and as usual, it was mixed up by Calder. So everybody have a taste right. and comment. I'm finding it very appley myself, which is a nice thing. It means it's a it's you know when it's a when it's a winter day you need a cocktail that reminds you you should be on the beach and that feels like it needs an umbrella in it <laughs> and I can half close my eyes and I'm in I'm in Tahiti yeah yeah okay so today's topic is holiday travel and specifically Thanksgiving travel and you know I figure uh, everybody is about to get into this in one way or another next uh, week whether you are getting on a train, whether you're getting in the car, whether you're getting on a plane, and I guess many, many, many people will be getting on the plane. It's the, if I'm not mistaken, it is the busiest airline week of the entire year in the United States. Is that right? That is right. That, that, that is, is right. Many, many people flying. And, you know, the thing that we often forget about, you know, we're so obsessed with airports, is that many, many more people are driving to where they're going. Almost 50 million people this year, according to AAA. So it's a huge travel weekend. And is it typically, is the driving typically um, accident prone? It depends on the weather, I would imagine. I would figure that it depends on the weather, you know, and where you're going. But, um, you know, you got to get there somehow. Yeah. In terms of air travel, are there particular uh, airports, are there particular markets that are, that are more crowded than others? Well, we know that New York, L.A., and Chicago, the three biggest markets, are going to have the most traffic this year. But Atlanta's always packed as well. And like Paul was saying, I mean... You're going to have traffic, traffic no matter what, no matter where you go. But there are days that you can kind of aim for. And everyone from Waze to Google to Orbitz has put out their predictors. And I think my favorite one is Waze. It's the, you know, so many people use it, the mobile traffic app. But they say, go on Thanksgiving. Google says, go on Thanksgiving. Really? Really. Everyone's on Thanksgiving on Day. Thanksgiving Day. They say, don't go on Wednesday. I love these apps that have all this data, right? Because then you can, you kind of always have the sense that, right, the traffic is going to be really bad on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. But it's always just been a vague sense, right, in the back of your mind. Right. Now Google has, you know, 18 billion drivers around the world feeding into their sort of <laughs> hive mind. And we all have this great access to this data. And you can call your, you know, call your family and say, actually, I'm going to have to be there a little bit later because I'm leaving on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> um, that's what Google told me to do. So, <laughs> but we know. also, but the thing is, we also blame these apps when they're not correct. Oh, we treat totally. them as if they're at oracles of the future. So when they're not correct, it's worse than if we hadn't known at all. So if somehow there's bad traffic on Thanksgiving, we blame those apps for being wrong. Yeah. And it's kind of risky for them. If I were in their position, I would steer clear of all the predictions because it just makes me more annoyed at them. Yeah, no, Mark, I don't know if you've used Waze. I used it uh, on a trip over Labor Day weekend. And the interesting thing about it, it sends you to the craziest routes. You're always on these back roads. You're always going these strange ways. And then you show up and you're like, oh my God, this is where I was going. I thought I was sort of, you know, going down this like 
dead end uh, dirt road and suddenly you know you're right where you needed to be it's this crazy way of using the roads but i'm amazed that the the police have not complained about how ways has those notification has points to encourage you to log when it, you have to be aware of driving a little too fast yeah and somehow that's okay that there's this mass civil disobedience corralling <laughs> intel against the police and no one cares everyone's like ways is amazing well and right. you save like four minutes too but you're like oh my god that was amazing ways totally totally and you're tapping your phone by the way while right. you're driving which you know they tell you not to do but then how are you supposed to use the app if you're not yeah. tapping it while you're on the anyway well they get it down to the minute too like google i think was telling us that you should not go if you have to go on wednesday you shouldn't go between three and five go before two or after seven so like i don't know 701 i'll be on the road but that right. was on wednesday yes the, wait before yeah two? right so by the minute after okay. seven go before two skip the three to five go after seven. I don't know why they skip six. But is there a little bit of Heisenberg principle going on here? I'm like sure. it, it, The minute Google says that, are there not like millions of people who are going to do exactly that? Yep. And so drive at 3 a.m. on Tuesday <laughs> and you'll have no traffic. Yeah. That's what um, I'm going. But which is which do you guys use? Do you guys use, just as while we're on the driving theme, Waze or, or Google Maps? I'm a Google Maps I'm user. a Google Maps, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a Google Maps, but my husband is a Waze. Oh, so how does that work out? Fights? Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's usually driving and I'm navigating, so Google Maps usually wins out. I think Waze does seem, it seems too much like a game, which to me seems dangerous. They're like little I'm, emojis, yes, right? Yes, like yeah. all the little cars are like adorable and then you get distracted and you want to look at like and you whoa. get points and you get, you get points, points for, and for yeah i mean it really things. it really is like <laughs> a game but i also I, I had an uber driver recently drive me through a shopping center on the way to the airport because the um the whatever map app he was using told him to do that and he got to the shopping center and the car park and said oh it must be wrong and it, I did think, well, your eyes told you it was really wrong when you turned <laughs> off the freeway sure. to park in a parking lot. And I'm really, I'm always struggled that we we turn to these apps and again treat them as omniscient, omnipotent. And maybe we should just get a map out and plot <laughs> our route and use heresy. Do they still Heresies. make maps? You, uh, that's a good question. I don't know if they make them in the same way, oh. but maybe we could have a digital map that we use our our own nows to make the best of, rather than assuming the computer knows everything? Or am I just showing my age? No, I think having people <laughs> driven into, like, lakes. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that was or, an episode of The Office. Of The Office, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, so maybe not in real life. Although maybe it did happen in real life. It like, probably did. Uh, no, I, I feel can't. like I read that it did. It was, like, dark. Yeah, do, and does, people, does it really seem like something that couldn't happen in real life? That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. seems like it could. Um, okay, so to flights for a second. Well, um, we, you, you mentioned a couple of airports, um, Laura. Do we know? You, do, do, do any of you guys know how many people are actually flying? What percentage are flying? You said fifty million are driving. How many people are going to fly this this coming weekend? I think it's over twenty million. But you know, so the trick is, you know, AAA puts out their uh, sort of notification about how many people are traveling, and they look at a very small number of days. And the airline industry kind of puts out, you know, between this Sunday and next Sunday, there'll be you know twenty million or so flyers. And so it's a little bit, you know, apples to oranges comparison. But, you know, needless to say, it's a lot of people. And and I think we were talking before, you know, coming on the show a little bit about the idea that when something goes wrong and all of the flights are full, 
it's not like you can get on the next flight out because that flight's also full. And right. so I think that is one of the things that leads to a lot of the stress is that any other time of the year, great. You know, you, you kind of lose a couple hours and it's a bummer, but you just hop on the next one. But um, this is the time of year when flights are just full, 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 which they are anyway already with, you know, over 80% capacity. Uh, it's getting tighter and tighter. I think the problem getting, is yeah, exactly. that 10 years ago, if there was a problem with a flight on Thanksgiving, there was more wiggle room because the flights tended to be, the, the load factor was much lower, but the airlines have become so much better at maximizing mm -hmm. their passenger numbers mm -hmm. that the problem is once one of the domino falls, you really deal with a lot more trouble than you used to. Yeah, absolutely. It's harder to find an empty seat on any flight out. And what are the biggest causes of of, uh, of the delays? Well, there are a few, you know. I mean, there's obviously there's bad weather that comes in a, into play. But, you know, we have a big problem, I think, right now in American airspace that, you know, it's not being utilized efficiently. And so you have delays coming from, you know, there's traffic at the airports, overburdened airports, mm -hmm. uh, just on regular schedules. And then you go to a, a busy time of year and it's even worse. And then you add fog or snow and uh, the, the delays really will cascade. So uh, there are a couple factors that are really making it difficult. But I always find it interesting when people book, if you say you're traveling t between two destinations where there are no direct flights, if I were traveling in the winter, I would always look to route through one of the southern states, which is much less likely to be mm. hobbled by Great snow. Tip. So I would go through Atlanta or Dallas or one of the southern hubs rather than say Chicago, which lovely as it is when it snows, I don't want to get caught at O'Hare yeah. when it's snowing unexpectedly. It's so snowing, yeah. that's always, I think, if you're looking to travel in the winter and you're worried, think how can I route myself through the warmest possible weather because that takes away one problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, one right. I always hear is Las Vegas as well because two reasons. They've got a tremendous amount of flights in and out of Las Vegas, oh. but also hotels there are really cheap. So if you do have to spend the night, you get a cheap room and actually you're in Las Vegas, which is pretty fun. <laughs> I would take any excuse <laughs> so you know to go to I, Las Vegas. So exactly. I'm, I'm down with that, Paul. It's like, you know, if you have to be stranded somewhere, I mean, where, where better to be stranded for 18 hours? Well, if you are stranded, what's the best course of action? You say your flight's overbooked, you've been bumped, you know, what do you do? What I always say, I, I always think it's interesting, when you're standing in the airport, you feel very powerless. I th we've all been there. You see crowds of people kind of screaming, and the, the poor the poor reservation agent doesn't really know much more than you do. They're just standing at a computer that's telling them, computer says no. <laughs> you're... You're much better off. I think the best thing to do is to join that line because why not? You've got nothing to do. But get on the phone and call the reservations people because they have much more power and they also have much more knowledge. And similarly, maybe there's weather in Chicago, but those reservations people are dealing with the whole of the country. So they are less busy. Maybe there's one airport with a problem. They will be less maxed out and you can double your chances. So they can make suggestions. And I've done that many times. I was stuck in Hamburg recently. Um, because there was fog in Amsterdam and they told me I couldn't get back for three days late. I call while I'm standing at the counter and it's all booked within five minutes. Amazing. Amazing. And, you know, you, like you said, it's not like you're wasting any time. If you're standing in line and you're stuck, you're stuck. You know, there are two new um, services that I wanted to talk about, uh, something called AirCare and Freebird, um, which just launched. And these are two sort of insurance programs that, that you can buy for a plane ticket. It costs like $19, $35. And basically their promise is that if you get bumped or your flight is canceled, they'll try to find you another flight on any airline going, you know, to where you're going. And they'll just pay for that ticket outright. And it's an interesting idea because you're not, you know, sort of guaranteeing that you'll get out. You're just buying basically insurance for 
another option on another airline ticket at the moment. And so this is some new thing, and I haven't tried it myself, but I think it's you know any option that's going to help people. I, re- I agree, hey, but I, I would it. want to see. I would want to read the, that fine print. Oh yeah, with, absolutely. With a, with, a, with a loop, I'd be like, "Where is the tiny, <laughs> tiny print that you're going to say? Actually, we can get you out within ten days and pay for the flight." Right. I, if I were to pay for that, I'd be like, "Okay, great. I want to know that within twelve hours, no matter what, you'll get me out of the airport because I'm not paying thirty-five bucks for you to do largely what the airline would do for me." Right. Exactly. And so that you know, I asked them this question. You know, what if? Great. If one flight is canceled, you can get me on the other flight. That's fine. But what do you do? I don't know if you remember. A couple of years ago at Dallas, there was an enormous snowstorm and they canceled hundreds of flights, maybe thousands of flights. What do you do in that situation when there are no other flights? It's not like you can jump on the other one because they're all canceled. And they had to admit, you know, in, in some cases, they aren't going to be able to help you, in which case they'll refund your fee, which is nice. But, you know, if you're a nervous traveler who like really wants to get there, um, you know, for 20 bucks, you can get a, a, buy yourself a little bit of a peace of mind. But I also think, I always remember an airline friend of mine said to me, one of the simplest insurances that you can give yourself that costs you nothing is to get a frequent flyer number before you fly on any airline. Because when you are in the computer systems as someone with a frequent flyer number, even if that number has no status attached at all, that tells the computer system that you could become a frequent important flyer. You are, in other words, Mm. marking yourself. So it's pre-VIP? Yep. I love that. Mm. I love, I'm going to use that phrase. I want to pre-VIP myself. So if (laughs) when the computer scans for people to bump, for example... He said to me, they're going to bump people without frequent flyer numbers first. So it Ah. gives you, it indemnifies you. It doesn't guarantee you anything, and Uh they would never talk about this officially. But if you have (laughs) a frequent flyer number for an alliance, each of the alliances, just put it in because it's an amazing Safeguard. So they'll see your global entry mark, your TSA pre-check, that'll all show up. It's all kind of like a check plus on your... Well, it's more that even if you have no status, so say you just, you never fly United, but you are flying United this time because it was a great deal. You have no status, so you think, I'm powerless. You're not actually powerless. Get a mileage plus number, pop that in, you're going to get some great miles for it, so there's a win on that. But you're also going to tacitly say to the computer, which obviously just thinks in numbers... I am someone who might be showing an intention to be loyal. It's better to prioritize me over the person with no status and no number. So right. that's a free that's way a, of safeguarding. That's yourself. very clever, Mark. What about the what about the use of social media for this kind of thing? Jana, you had an experience where you got to the front of the queue in a very different way. <laughs> yes, I um, I'm not really. Um, super active on Twitter, but I would recommend Twitter in instances where you are um, potentially stranded or, you know, over the summer, my husband and I were traveling to Michigan and we had a connection and our flight was very delayed. So we knew um, beyond a shadow of a doubt that we were going to miss our connection. And so everyone, we were on the plane, stuck on the tarmac. Everyone was furious. Many, many people were angrily on the phone with the airline and my husband just sent a tweet to the airline not a mean tweet not anything nasty and it's not he doesn't have a huge following on twitter but we were booked on the last flight out of the night um within 
three minutes of him wow. sending what the tweet. What did he say? What did he say? Because aren't you afraid? I'm afraid of complaining via Twitter that I'll be that awful person who someone screen grabs and puts on Facebook and says, this is a sad, angry person who needs to use Twitter better. Yeah, that's why I think the, that's why I say don't send a mean tweet. I think all you, all Mark, you. Mark, there's virtually no overlap between Facebook and Twitter. Well, you know what I mean? You know, but people screen grabs. People will screen grab it and turn it into a story and say, look at this angry person sure. saying yeah. be happy on to Twitter. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> so but what I did you do? What? Because I, that's we really just it, we just stuck to the facts. It wasn't a rant. It wasn't we weren't calling anybody out. We just said, "Hey, we're stuck. We're trying to get here. Is there anything that you can do? This is our situation." So it's a plea more than anything else. Yeah, and they listen. That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. And then we were, you know, we were at our destination that night. Which airline? I feel like you should give the airline credit. Delta. Ah, good. Right. Yeah. yeah. Are there are there are there uh, airlines that have a better responsiveness on social media than others? I know this has become a path for people to complain. I feel like Virgin is really good online, and I think we've had good. We've written about JetBlue yeah. as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure, JetBlue. Yeah. yeah. Well, JetBlue has those JetBlue cheap. I mean, has its has its deals only. Twitter feed and is very good. But I'm just, as I say, I think I think I would be so nervous about becoming that sort of ranting Twitter person. So it's interesting to know you actually don't have to be, hey, Delta, you screwed up, make it right, mm-hmm. to get them to listen. You can actually say, hello, I, I'm not sure what to do. Can you help? And they will still listen. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. And it was, you know, it's great because it, it meant the difference between having to spend the night in Detroit and getting to our to our final destination that same night. Um, And we definitely heard people around us sort of ranting and getting increasingly angry on the phone. So it it felt good to be able to get what we wanted and not have to (laughs) resort to that. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's all about maximizing your sort of opportunities, right? It's like you're standing in line, you're on the phone, and you're tweeting. And, you know, hey, if one of those pays off, then there you go. I think it's really important on Twitter, too, to always say, Again, re-emphasizing, you've got to be polite. You know, nobody wants to help a jerk. But, like, you also have to say what you want. So often you see people like, I'm stuck on this plane and it's terrible. Right. Well... I'm sorry for that. But what, what are you? But what are we supposed to right. do? That's right? an amazing it's, point. And it's I think what, what do you? What do you need from the airline? Constructing, constructive complaining. I remember um, I had an airline person say to me, um, "When people complain, the biggest mistake they make is not offering the way to make it okay." Right. right. So whenever I have a problem with, I was I fly Delta because I want my status. When I have a problem with something, I send an email saying. This happened. I'm very unhappy. I would like the following to make it right. And every time I've done that, they've just done it. Oh, that's yeah. great. And you always ask for something reasonable I too, mean, right? I'm yeah, saying of course, I'd yeah. like 10,000 miles in my SkyMiles account as an, as an acknowledgement that that wasn't okay. That would, make me, that would make me feel like you recognize what happened shouldn't have happened. And every single time I've had a nice email back going, we'll be delighted to do that. We agree that shouldn't have happened. And people make the mistake that you want to offer the solution sure. so that the customer service people can be great. I know how to get that person off my to-do list. You just need that last flight out. I can do that. Done. Right, absolutely. And the flip side, right, is the is the famous sort of I'll never fly your airline again because okay. 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 <laughs> well, then why help you at all, right? I mean, that's sort of the worst thing you, you say, can say. You say, I love your airline. I'm really unhappy. I love flying you. How, you know, I want to keep flying you. I feel really hard done by. Right. Say you know, say you want to maintain the relationship, and you're looking to them to make you happy. And if you are reasonable, they are, and equally, I always think you're allowed to complain as long as you compliment. So every time I have a great experience, yes. I send a quick email saying that was amazing. You, ha- I had an amazing cabin crew, or I can't believe how quickly that flight came, took off. And then I feel in the sort of moral, you know, uh, equation, I can say when something's wrong. 
I can email you too. So you're saying the universe always sort of balances out. Well, I feel like you need to put out more than just complaints. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or else you kind of deserve occasionally to be delayed. I mean, it is the <laughs> holiday season, right? I exactly. mean, you're supposed to be in this sort of Good giving oil. mood, right? Um, Paul, you mentioned apps before. Are there are there specific apps that you really like or that you've heard of or written about that help people keep on on top of the status and the delays? Um, yeah, you know, I think um, there there are a ton of sort of flight tracking apps, and you kind of I think pick pick the one that you like best. I use one called Flight Track, but you know there are a million of them, and actually smartphones are getting so good, you know, whether it's Apple or Google phones, that they're just mining this stuff from your from your email anyway, and you're getting sort of updates through Google now, or you know, Siri's telling you about your your flights. I also like you know if things go a little badly at the airport, Lounge Buddy is this very cool app that tells you, you know, say you have this credit card and you have you know, a status on Delta, you actually get free access to this lounge. So don't forget about it. Or Lounge Buddy also tell you, you know, this is a great lounge to go into. They have free drinks, they have free Wi-Fi, they have free <laughs> snacks, which is more than worth the $50 entry price. And they'll tell you where it is. And, and you can actually buy the in- entrance through Lounge Buddy, rock right up and, and walk right, right in. And that's, that's another great. great tip. When people are delayed, this is another way of, if there is an enormous horde of people corralled around an exit gate shouting at the poor agent, the way to get more attention for 50 bucks, if you can pay for access to the lounge, you have the lounge staffers who are less stressed, have fewer people to cater to. So for 50 bucks, you walk in and you say, hey, I got a problem. Can I stand here while we work on it? And I've done that. And every single time, it's quicker and less stressful. And you can have a glass of wine while you say, I'm going to go to the bar. Can I grab a glass of wine and can I come back and you fixed it, right? Right. That sounds better than standing in line in the terminal. Yeah. That they're working on it while you're having you know, a cocktail. Yeah. That yeah. sounds pretty good. Um, Jaina, uh, one of the tips we give people all the time, everybody says all the time, is don't check a bag. But this is getting into cold weather season. You know, we've all sort of faced this problem. And airlines are getting tighter and tighter about, you know, the, the enforcing. I've seen a couple of times people sort of being dinged for having the oversized or the slightly oversized, right. you know, carry-on bag. What what are some of the best, easiest ways to, to, to get a lot of things into a little bit of space? Um, I, well, I think that, Especially when you're traveling over Thanksgiving where it's sort of a short trip for most people, I think, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I kind of think you're doing it wrong if you have to check your bags. I think that you should never check your bags. I never, ever do. Um, and I, you know, I I love clothes. Do you wear like five layers when you travel? How no. Do you do here's what I think that, you know, I think that there are a few things that you can do. I think one thing that people don't do in general, and I wish that more people did, was I think when it gets to be colder weather, um, you know, people always, you know, they buy coats that are neutral. And I think that actually... What I try to do is the opposite, and I get a statement coat. Because think about it, in the winter, right, you're walking around, you're wearing this coat, especially here in New York, for many, many months. It's the thing that people see you in most of the time. So why are you just wearing, like, you know, a basic navy overcoat? Like, get something amazing, and then everything that's underneath it can be a little bit more neutral. And you've just got this one piece. And especially when you're traveling, you're wearing it while you're traveling. So I think that that already frees up space. but and a statement code, is that something that is going to last for years and years, or does that change? Every, do you need to get one of those every year? I mean... I am, I am, <laughs> I am stylistically challenged. Okay. So. If you're me, yeah, you get one every year, but you don't have to. I just think that it's, um, it's just sort of a, different, a slightly different way of thinking um, about what you wear in colder weather. Who do you think is doing amazing codes? Who are you sending people to? For, like, a great 
statement winter coat, I would say Luffler Randall. They just introduced their outerwear not too long ago, and it's amazing. We wrote about yeah, it on I the site. Um, also, I think Shrimps, which is a UK brand, mm. they're great. They do this really, really extraordinary faux fur um, that's really, really colorful, and it's the kind of thing that it will keep you warm, and you can wear it. And then, like I said, I think that everything else can sort of be um, a little bit more low-key. I think another thing that you can do when you're um, traveling is just focus on sort of, you know, bringing a few key pieces and then there are little things that you can do. I would say I tend to always bring sort of more trousers than dresses because pants are just easier to, they're just more versatile. So if you bring a dress and you want to wear it two days in a row, you kind of have to do like a little bit of a magic act. You to have make, to see different people. You have to see yeah. different people or you have to bring, you know, like different layers over it or under it, different tights, different whatever. And I think with pants, it's like you bring a couple of pairs of pants and you can get away with, you know, if you bring different tops, you can sort of mix it up. Well, um, shoes are the tricky one for me. Like boots, right? It's boot season. I really can only wear one pair, but I'm not going to pack two more. That's half my suitcase. Yeah, no, and I would not recommend that. I think for shoes, stick with loafers. Loafers are great. Loafers are like just as like you know, chic and can be just as feminine as a pair of heels. You can wear them with everything. And I think depending on the pair that you buy, you know, there's um, Viarta is a really great brand because they make loafers that are pretty soft and sort of squishable so you can pack them. Um, but I think Everlane makes a great pair too. And, um, and those are just, you know, obviously they're going to take up less room in your suitcase. I also think bring things like, you know, if you have sort of like a cocktail jewelry, now's the time to bring it because it's... T it, it, in your suitcase, it's tiny, but you can totally change an outfit if you have, like, you know, right. some kind of great necklace, some kind of massive... Don't you think... Brain. I always think about that episode of 30, 30 Rock where Liz is on a plane and her boyfriend is the pilot, and he does... The, the pilot doesn't like how someone is dressed, and he says to the cabin crew, he goes, 2118, that guy. And the cabin crew kind of saunters up and says, I'm going to have to check your bag. I'm sorry, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and I just am always conscious of being the person that somehow gets singled out to check my bag. And I'm like, but it's fine. It's within. I know, but we just have to check it. Uh, and it is that totalitarian state where you can't fight back. You have to be like, OK. Oh, well, I have a contrary story. And I don't. Did you fight back? Well, my husband did. And I hope, Greg, I'm sorry. I hope you don't mind that I tell this story. But. It was recently, we were on a flight, and they told us way in advance, they're like, you have to gate check your bag. We, we had been traveling for a really long time. We were exhausted. We didn't want to wait for an extra half an hour at JFK. Greg's getting mad. And, um, you know, we get on the plane, and there's a ton of empty overhead bins. And he's just like, that's ridiculous. I'm going to get our bags. We had gate checked the bag. We had handed it off. We had tagged it and everything. And he goes, and he talks to the guy up front. He's like this is kind of evil. There's a lot of empty space. Why don't you just let us bring on our bags? And they're like, I'm sorry, you, you tagged it. And he goes, my bag is right there. I'm going to get it. I'm going to put it on this plane. And they said, hold on, let me call my manager. Manager comes up. And I feel like this is a security alert. Oh, absolutely. I'm a little worried we're going to get kicked off the flight. But, you know, with a little bit of action, he said, look, there's a lot of empty space. My bag is right there. They said, okay. He got it. He put both our bags on. That was it. Like nothing else happened. It was it was a slightly more aggressive move. Yes, but but I think it sounds reasonable. I think being reasonable is also key because so many people when they travel they get increasingly 
unreasonable. And I think as long as you can stay as calm as you, you know, just act like a normal. Don't you think, I think right. what you're pointing out is that the people who are working at the airport on Thanksgiving are even more miserable than you are when right. you're stuck <laughs> because they are working and you are just frustrated. So a little bit of empathy towards them will go an extra long way at this time because they're thinking, I can't believe I have to work Thanksgiving. I want to be flying. So if you take it out on them, they're doubly incentivized right. to think, you know what, you're going to the bottom of my line. Yeah, we bring um, Mast Brothers chocolate every year Ooh. when we travel to hand, hand out. out. Yeah, That's smart. Part. When do you? Ha- I have a friend who swears by. He always gets upgraded because he takes chocolate on for the cabin crew, and he gets upgraded constantly mm-hmm. on major airlines. But I just don't know when he. Br- when do you bring out the chocolate? How What's casually- that transaction look like? This is what I mean. Like, yeah. I, how do you do it? We <laughs> usually do it as we're boarding. So as we go by, and you know, when the flight attendants are sort of directing people to the seats, we have it ready and. I sometimes wrap it because I like wrapped gifts. And do you say, excuse me, miss, or sir, here's your chocolate? No, I mean, if you're traveling on a holiday, you say, hey, happy Thanksgiving. If you're traveling on Christmas, you say Merry Christmas. Gina, you you were delightful. That's so much nicer (laughs) than I The thing is, I I think it's also different when a man or a woman does it. I always feel as a man, it somehow seems a little creepy, whereas if a woman does it, it's somehow endearing and delightful. That might be true. Do you know what I mean? I I just, I would worry if I went (laughs) on to one of the cabin crew. I know exactly what you mean. I don't want to be the sleazy guy who's like, here's some chocolate. Here's some chocolate. (laughs) That's happy Thanksgiving. like, <laughs> but there's a slight but, but do you but, but do you works. get good response from it? Always, always, well, yeah. It but makes you're, the sense. Way you're, you're being a pleasant human being. I know, but I just I'm worried about being the creepy guy. Yeah, but the way Jane is describing it is so classy that you know it's hard to it's hard to quibble with that. I like, do feel it's one of my classiest moves. <laughs> I, think it's a lo- I don't know. I think it's a really lovely idea. I how, think it's a very genuine idea. How many mini bottles of booze have you gotten in return? So many. Right? And like we've gotten the fancy dop kit that they hand hand out in business class oh. like passed back to us. We've gotten our seats moved to better seats. We've gotten you know my husband and I were separated. We've gotten moved together. We've gotten like champagne throughout the flight. And it's just right. Nice. It's also just it feels nice when you know, you're traveling. That's not why do you're it. doing it. It's just. I mean, it is why you're doing. It. Let's be fair. There is a. You're not just doing it to be nice. It's a win-win. It's like that Absolutely. episode of Friends where Phoebe is trying to do something nice that doesn't doesn't benefit her, and she can't find a way of doing something yeah. positive that yeah. isn't to her own advantage. Yeah. <laughs> but I would just I would just worry about being the creepy guy. But maybe I'll give it a go. Yeah. No, I'm a big believer in the sort of the the tiniest little you know nice thing that you can do, like helping somebody with their bag into the overhead bin, or like you know you're on a three hour flight, so you don't bother reclining because it's a three hour flight. Like get real. You know you just like the tiniest minuscule little bit of being a decent human being goes so much much further on an airplane that, you know, why not? That's an interesting transition. Have you guys had Thanksgiving, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, travel stories, you know, like, have you ever had that kind of experience or a lovely story on traveling on Thanksgiving? I always travel internationally, so on Thanksgiving, so it's always a lovely story. (laughs) (laughs) Thanksgiving, because I flew to Rome once on Thanksgiving proper, and it was one of the loveliest flights because, of course, we were going to Rome, so everyone was in it. There was a bit of (laughs) dodgeviness. There's that. (laughs) But there was also this sense of the the cabin crew were in a good mood because they're, they're much more used to working on holidays. That's part and parcel of their gig. And the plane was astonishingly empty. They always are, in my experience. And then it's also nice because then you have the chocolate. So it's like you said, it's people who like, they, you know, they maybe don't, you know, it's it's maybe the flight crew, they don't even celebrate Thanksgiving. So then you're giving them something and it feels, you know, just sort of like it really sets the tone. But also I think um, it's just kind of 
a gorgeous thing to do to get out of the country for Thanksgiving, which is, is why we've great, been doing I mean, it. It's a great reminder for me as a, as a Brit. You know, I, I've been in America knocking on 20 years, so... I, but I forget that the rest of the world, it's just the end of November. It's yeah, Thursday. Right, right. And it's a great <laughs> bargain. The hotels are not expensive in London over Thanksgiving because it's just Thursday. Yeah. So if you plan ahead and you fly on Thanksgiving, you get a really cheap weekend away. Totally. Yeah, yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, and four days off in a row yep. for an American is like, you know, a month off for a European, right? <laughs> yeah. It really is. No, it really it's, is. it's like the most, I feel, indulgent thing that we do, and we do it every year. Where are you going this year? This year we're going to Iceland. Awesome. awesome. Reykjavik? To Reykjavik, yeah, and hopefully to some of the um, the western fjords if the weather nice. holds up. Right. So, so if there were if there were one sort of takeaway tip that you would give to people, whether it's pre-planning, whether it's when something bad happens, what would what is the thing that you would tell people to keep in mind, Mark? I think when anything goes wrong, remember all the channels with which you can rectify it. You have your phone with you, which turns you into a superhuman being, and it means you are wired to everything. So when things go wrong, don't get frustrated at the airport. Think about all the different ways that you can contact and deal with that airline, and you would be astonished. We've all talked about this. You'd be astonished how quickly that can solve your problem. Dana, what do you think? Be nice. Be nice. Be nice to everyone. It's Thanksgiving. Everyone's traveling. Everyone's trying to get home to their families. No one wants to be stuck in traffic. No one wants their flights to be delayed. No one wants their flight to be canceled. You're not the only one if you're going through some kind of, you know, not great experience. You've got a plane full of people who are going through the same thing. So everyone should just, you know, be nice. How do I follow be nice? No, I think... Okay, be mean. I'm very practical. I think, uh, you, I think you you led up to it. You said be aggressive. Yeah, kind of. Um, get your way. Get your way. And also, if you are traveling this week and you have, whether you're on the road or in the air, try to go really late Wednesday or really early Thursday. The turkey will wait for you. Yeah, and I, I'd echo Jana's thoughts too, but also um, books and magazines don't need batteries. So pack <laughs> at least one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very, very quick two-question lightning round. Uh, first question, Paul, roll or flat packing? Uh, rolling. Laura? Rolling. Jane. Rolling. Oh, flat packing. Rolling is absurd. I don't understand why people go on about rolling. Excellent. It, it doesn't Excellent. wrinkle. Come it's on. absurd. It doesn't wrinkle when you flat pack either. Yes. It, mm. Oh, wow. This is, okay. <laughs> this keep, is, I know. Throw it out. Another 15 minutes ago. Okay, second, <laughs> second lightning round question. Hard case or soft in a carry-on? Hard case. Soft. 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 Oh, Paul. Defend the hard case. It's so classy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a worried, though. The one thing I think that is strange is expensive suitcases that don't have inline wheels. And if you do not have inline wheels, it doesn't matter how hard the side of your suitcase is, those wheels break off. Totally. And the airline is not responsible for dealing with suitcases where wheels have broken off. So whatever suitcase you buy, make sure they are wheels that are inline that cannot be snapped off Ooh. by a giant case. Wait, one more lightning round. Do you have four wheels or two on your bag? Well, two if they're in line. Yeah. Right. So that's the in line. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, you know, the other thing people <laughs> say is, like, well, if it's hard case, it's not flexible if you overpack. Well, that's why you get it. You have to, you have to Discipline. pack. Yeah, you have to pack light. And, and um, God, there's nothing better than packing light. I think the best thing is soft case with a little bit of room because then you can smush it into like any space that you need to. I've done that. Okay. 
So let's uh, let's wrap it up, everybody. Thank you so much for talking. Um, uh, I just want to remind everybody to visit us at cntraveler.com. We're also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Mark can be found at Mark J. Elwood on Twitter and on uh, Instagram, too. Uh, without the J. Without the J. Without the J on Instagram. Laura is at Laura underscore Redmond. Paul is at P underscore Brady. And Jaina is at J.W. Maleri. Um, I'm at Brad Rick, and that is it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and we will see you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>